Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Welcome to The Hidden Gin, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild from Aaron Mankey. Hi and welcome to this very special bonus series of The Hidden Gin, The Interviews. In these episodes, you'll hear me talk to people from all walks of life who have had gin experiences, are drawn to the stories of gin, and draw lessons from these stories. You'll hear from artists, scholars, writers, journalists, and gin exorcists. And even from me, as I discuss how and why this series came about in a very personal conversation with my husband. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Would you believe it if I told you there is a deep and abiding connection between the fashion world and the supernatural? Well, you might not because I didn't, not until I spoke to today's guest, Amina Akhtar. Now, Amina is a former fashion writer and editor and a total fashionista. She's worked at Vogue, Elle, Style, The New York Times, New York Magazine, where she was a founding editor of The Cut blog. She's written for a whole lot of publications, including Yahoo Style, Fashionista, XO Jane, Refinery29, and for big fashion brands like Bergdorf Goodman and H&M's 10 Years of Style volume. After toiling in the fashion ranks for over 15 years, she now writes full-time in the desert mountains, where she's detoxing from her once glamorous life. And she's the author of a fantastic, hilarious, dark, serial killer comedy called Fashion Victim, which was her first novel published a couple of years ago. We had a lot of fun in today's conversation, and I learned a lot about the fashion industry and Amina's generational ties to gin. Uh, But just a little word of warning, because Amina is out in the rugged wilderness of Arizona, we did have some connection issues here and there, so the audio might sound a little bit spotty and not quite as crystal clear as I would have wished. So sorry about that, but still, we had a fantastic conversation, had a lot of laughs, and also I got some genuinely scary chills. So check it out yourself. My interview with author Amina Akhtar. Hi, Amina. Thanks for joining us this week. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. Well, so I've told our listeners um, all about your background, that you're a former fashion writer, editor, and I've told them a little bit about your first book now, um, but I want you to tell them more about your first book because first of all, I mean, it was your first novel and it got some high praise, right? I mean, it was um, it was one of the best crime and mystery debuts of 2018 by Crime Reads. Uh, it's, I mean, like I saw like a whole half page of all kinds of accolades, which is amazing really for a first <laughs> book so congratulations on that thank you thank you it was um when I left the fashion world I had this idea wouldn't it be funny to have a, a serial killer set in the fashion world and no one takes her seriously or believes she's the killer 
So that was kind of the idea of it. And then I just <laughs> Look, I went, have to I have to ask you, were you were you thinking about serial killing like people in the industry? Is that what happened <laughs> to like make you write this book? Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, listen, it was 15 years of, of being on a diet and <laughs> oh. like having to wear high heels. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's tough. So That's there tough. were definitely people I kept in mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but were it you was really fun to write? <laughs> well, you know, it sounds like a really fun read. I have ordered it, but I haven't read it yet. Um, so I can't wait to get into it. It sounds like the kind of thing I'm going to take like the next time I take a break. But let me ask you: are, Were you a writer before this, or you just kind of went right yeah. into it? Yeah, I mean, I was I was an editor slash writer. So mostly, I did like blog writing for like like New York Magazine. I launched the Cut blog. And I would, you know, edit and write on there and I would write for Elle and edit for them. So, you know, like all of the places I've I've worked, I was always editing and writing. Um, But I never thought of myself as a novelist. I think like, you know, you you think, oh, those people get MFAs in Iowa and stuff. And I didn't do that. But then I thought, well, why don't I just write this and see what happens and we'll go from there. And, you know, it's kind of what I did. Well, I mean that. So, and and uh, fashion victim was published when two thousand eighteen. Two thousand eighteen, yeah. Right, and, but you're working on a second. And now book I'm working right on now. a next book. So, so I'm working uh, on a second book. So um, after after New York and in the fashion world, I moved to near Sedona, Arizona, where my father lives, and I decided I wanted to kind of capture the insane weirdness that is here. <laughs> um, and so that's the, that it's a, it's a weird kooky place. I mean, stunningly beautiful. Just people are a little weird, you know, I'm not going to lie. It's like crystals mixed with MAGA hats, you know, and, you're, oh, and it's, wow. it's, it's, a, it's a bizarre place. Well, you know, I follow yeah. you on Twitter and, so and I follow your, um, I, I follow your posts on Twitter where you're documenting all the wildlife and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's living like in a Nat Geo special. <laughs> I I live on the side of a mountain and I have a well and there's a tarantula that hangs out outside the front door. It's a really, he's a really big guy. So he's a big guy, but they're very friendly and like not friendly, but they don't bother humans. Um, And it's just a complete 180 from my life in New York, like completely. And and why did you decide to do that? It was was it just to be closer to your father, or you just needed like a cleanse, a it New York City my, cleanse? Yeah, well, that's actually both. Um, I've been in New York for over twenty years, and I was I was burnt out. You know, I just I hit that point where I didn't want to leave my apartment, and I was like, you know, this this is not healthy. And my mom had passed away, and my dad was by himself, and you know, he's in his eighties. So I thought, mm. you know, this is a really good time for me to be out there so we can keep an eye on him, make sure he's taken care of. And it's been fun, a little weird, <laughs> but fun. I love following your, um, when you po- tweet about your interactions with your dad, but I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember, and I can't quite remember when I started following you or why. I know I was looking for South Asian writers to follow at some point, and I don't, but I feel like mm-hmm. I started following you because you tweeted something about a gin. Um, which I probably ta- did. You probably did, right? <laughs> and so your second I book has. I probably did. I mean. So tell tell us about a little bit of your second, second book without book without giving really, it all away. Not... So, the second book is called Kismet, and hopefully, and I, I'm still finishing it and, and dealing with the publishing world and getting it published. But um, it, it follows different women 
who are here in Sedona, and also one who happens to be Desi. And she's had a very strange upbringing, um, not because she's Desi, but because her, you know, her family was just weird. And I feel like that's an important thing. It's like, this is about everyone's family can be weird regardless of where they're from, you know? Right. And it's really about like finding your place and finding your people. And at the same time, of course, there's a serial killer because I, I really enjoy killing people in books. Um, <laughs> it's a really great way to get your anger and annoyance out, you know? So it, it's really just, it's, so it's following all these women and you're trying to figure out who the murderer is. So, you know, all these like scam artists, fake healers are, are turning up dead in the desert. And so it's like, who's the killer? What's happening? Um, so that's what I'm, I'm working on now. This and sounds then, amazing. But there, what's the, what's the gin my, component? <laughs> thank you. Well, the gin is going to be my next book. Okay. Um, and that one, I'm, I'm still hammering out the idea, but what it is, is it's this woman who, um, has a gin and she didn't know it. And so she makes this wish when she's five and she, you know, her birthday to be, and her name is Dunia. Um, she wants to be the best dunya in the world. And dunya <laughs> means world. Right. You know? So she, what she doesn't realize is that she's basically made this wish. And as she gets older, she starts getting these Google alerts for other dunyas who are dying all over the world <gasps> in random, bizarre, not at all seemingly related ways. And that came to me because I've been getting Google alerts for Amna Uthers all over the world who are dying. Like what? there have been car accidents, there have been shootings, and it's, I've had like three or four, and it's so surreal where you're like, oh my God, I'm sorry, other me. Like, I, wow. That's insane. So she now has to try to figure out how to, how to make this stop and how she can be the best her. And so that's the whole book. And like, you know, is she also, everyone thinks she's going crazy, you know? So that's, that's the, the idea for that next one. That actually which not, sort of started. Uh, the, you know what? I want to read all the books. They, they all sound so, that's such a fantastic <laughs> idea. And I know you told me you were doing like, you yeah. were like starting to do like some real research um, on gin stuff, but you don't yes. really, you know, the research yeah. is like, you know, I'm, do, I did the research obviously for my series. You're going to do the research for your book, but we grew up also around right. all this. And I, I want to talk about that yeah. um so I, where's your family from by the way i i feel like we all have oh uh so my my father's from lahore i mean he was from india but you know after partition right he was mostly in lahore and my mother was from india and then she was in gujranwala okay it's a very small village yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> or it used to be small it used to be small yeah but ba they're, they're basically and in my, uh the northern uh, punjab region yeah my family's from the similar region yep same place yeah yeah my dad's punjabi my mother's is uh, Patan, okay. and my dad's side of the family is Sufi. Oh, so okay. that's where a lot of the strangeness has come in into our family. <laughs> okay. So let's start there because I want to know, like in, in, so in your family growing up, were, were gin stories a thing that like, were just kind of like, like very common? Was it the kind of thing where kids got together and then they, they swap like stories or? <laughs> No, they were like bedtime stories. Like I, my dad would like tell us these stories about this. Um, he would tell us the craziest bedtime stories. Like this, he grew up in a village. And I, you know, when he grew up and, you know, he was born in the 30s, it was a little different. He didn't necessarily like grow up with his parents. He grew up with other relatives. You know, it's just kind of loosey-goosey, I guess, back then. Right. And he had, there was a one room. So his great-grandfather uh, was a Mufi and he 
would teach to gin. Okay, and okay. I'm going to stop you right there. I'm going to stop you right there. School for gin. All right. Okay. Well, well I got to back this up. <laughs> okay. So you said his, his you said his grandfather was a mufti, and for for people who might not be familiar with the terminology, a mufti is basically a, like a religious yeah. teacher, right? Yeah, yeah, and it was his great grandfather. Oh, and that's important because his grandfather's his great grand his grandfather's didn't get the gin. It was supposed to be passed down when his great grandfather died, and he didn't do that because he didn't think his sons were able to deal with this. So, when you say that he, well, he had a school, yeah. When you say he had a school of of gin that he taught, could did okay? I, I'm sorry, I got to yeah. ask this question. Was he the only one who could see that, that classroom because <laughs> was there anybody else? Or did you, he just go to a classroom and it was like <laughs> him mean, in an empty room? And that's the thing is, are they, I think I was just like in their house and there were two male gin that would come and they would do favors for my grand, my great, my dad's great grandfather. Um, like if he went and he couldn't find his wallet, a new wallet would just show up. Or if they were out of butter, butter would just show up outside their door. So it was really strange. And my father grew up with this in that there was one room in the house no one could go into. They went into that. And I always, as a child, I thought he meant it was a poltergeist. I didn't understand quite that it was a gin until like later in life. And I was like, I put it all together. And the only person who could go into that room was my father. And so he would keep his toys in there. (laughs) <laughs> so that nobody would mess with them. And and that's how he became, you know, started to know the gin himself. So, okay. So that room you're saying, nobody else in the family had permission to go in that room. And his great-grandfather decided, I'm not going right. to pass these gin down. But for but your father had some kind yeah. of affini- some affinity or ability or openness yeah. that allowed him to connect with them. He, was, so, he does, but he, but he denies it. <laughs> So I, I would say like 20 years ago, he would have been more open, but now he's like, I don't know. He, he honestly is like, I have no idea what, what, what they are or what happens, but that was part of my childhood. And so that's what he says to me. And so, and he has a lot of stories of other people in the family dealing with the gin and his mother used to, um, who he says I remind him of, which is a little scary because she used to talk to the dead. Um, oh, and she always oh, had no. these horrible headaches and she would be, I know, I, I listen, I have the headaches, but I'm not talking to dead people as far <laughs> as I know. And so it's like the whole family had these weird talents, let's say, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Um, so he, for him, this was really normal and natural. And then, you know, you come to America and it's not. So, so- I think he just sort of stopped believing Oh, did he actually stop believing or did he just, and I also know your father, your father, is he a psychologist or a psychiatrist? He's a, he was a psychiatrist. Okay. Um, and you know, he's really like, you know, you know, this, he's, you got to be an engineer, lawyer, or a doctor, you right. know, as you know. So he came to the U S as an engineer actually, and then became, and then went to medical school after we were all born because he realized they're going to be expensive kids. <laughs> so <laughs> he became a shrink. And, and sometimes I ask him, I'm like, you know, why, like, does that impact how you're viewing things? Do you think it was like an insanity thing or is it real? And he honestly doesn't, doesn't know. 
Like he doesn't have the answer to it. And I don't think anyone actually has the answer to that. Well, but let me ask you this. We're such a, a part of our, yeah. Well, yeah. Let, me, yeah, let me ask you this. Um, when you say he doesn't have the answer, I guess my, my question is to what question? Like what are, what are some of the experiences that you can share with us that he had that he, he cannot, has not been able to answer or explain? Um, I think, well, I think a lot of it is his, um, well, I had an experience that he hasn't been able to explain. Um, but the, the story in our family, and I, I know every family has their own stories about Jin. So that's why it's a little difficult to get like research because everyone's stories are different. Um, is that the, they're supposed to be passed down our bloodline mm. and to a man, of course. And so I asked him, I said, well, who has them then? Like right now, who has the gin? Because let's be real, they're going to need anyone to come into me. <laughs> I, I want to hang out with them. I want to, I just want to see what they are. And um, once, so in the fashion world, you, and I, I touched on this in, in my fashion book, everyone has a psychic, a tarot reader, astrologers, you know, really? it's just really no way. in the fashion world. No oh way. My God, yeah. Yes, right. Totally. Like you go to dinner and they're like, oh, this is my feng shui healer or this is my psychic medium. And I'm like, oh, nice to meet you. Great. Thanks, people. You know, so it's oh, it's a, a really a big part of the fashion world, which I don't think people talk about enough. And there was this one shaman in New York, in, New York, in Tribeca, who all the fashion girls were going to. And I thought, well, I want to see what she's about. You know, like, why not? And maybe she can find this gin, not get rid of it just find it and tell me <laughs> where it might be. So I go see her and I explain to her that, you know, this is what I'm looking for. And she's like, okay, well, I don't know much about your culture, but let's just see. She does all these things like she's spinning on me and, you know, rattle, whatever, all of it. And, you know, and it's, a, it's in a small like treatment room, but you know, she like, there's enough space where she can be against a wall and can't come near me. You know what I mean? Like there's like enough, it's about like 10 feet. Okay. You know, so at one point she starts doing something and I swear to God, something started sitting on my chest and I'm not prone to hallucinations. Right. <laughs> uh, so I was like, Oh, this is really uncomfortable and weird. Like I feel like there's something on me and I can't breathe. And the woman is across the room. So it's not her. And she starts screaming <gasps> because she said something's trying to choke her. And I was just like, you have to, whatever you did, you just piss something off. Just stop. Just don't do any more. She's like, well, I'm getting rid of it. And I was like, don't get rid of it. <laughs> just. I got goosebumps. Um, and I just got um, goosebumps, man. Really? <laughs> so then how did that end? What happened? And, and the thing is, well, the weird thing was, is I used to, and this is, people are going to think I'm crazy. I used to always feel like there was something around. And it, it, like, I'm on the subway late at night. But I know I'm a, I'm fine because there's something near me, and I can't explain it more than that. But after I went to that lady, that feeling was gone, and that was a weird sensation because I'd gotten so used to feeling like, oh, I'm going to be fine because there's some I don't know what it is, but there's something here. But did um, you always have that feeling? Like, so did I you grow? Did you grow up with that feeling? Yeah. Uh, I don't think I recognized that feeling until I was an adult, but. You know, our, like my, my dad would, you know, he would make us watch The Exorcist when we were children and buy us crazy magic books and stuff. So we were always really 
I don't want to say like not witchy because that's more of a, a Western concept, but you know, more in tune with that part of, of, of life. Like it was just normal where I'd be like, dad, I want this voodoo book. And he's like, okay, here, read it, you know? <laughs> and I'd be like 10 reading about voodoo. And it was just so normal for us. Um, but he himself has gotten to the point where, you know, be, be, he, he's not scared of other realms, but he thinks is, if jinn are real, why isn't there a jinn army? <laughs> why aren't, why isn't anyone like raising them up to do things? And mm. I, I do not have an answer to that question. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a valid question. I don't know. Look, I've actually thought about um, that. I've but, thought you know, about that. Um, and, and, yeah. and my, my, my conclusion is because nobody has Solomon's ring anymore. So, you know, he was the only one who was able to really control Maybe. the gin. Yeah. Maybe. But I also think that, you know, people are scared because yeah. I think what happens for people who actually um, want to summon gin for whatever reason or contact gin, we all know that if, if we believe in gin, if this is like a thing, we also have to accept the fact that we can't really control them. Maybe we could bargain with them. Maybe we could ask them to do our some. Yeah. No. And so there, maybe they there's that fear. Will. They can do whatever they want. Yeah. Well, let me ask you. And I think some, some, yes. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say that some members on my mom's side think that jinn are evil and they're scared of them. Whereas I kind of see it as, well, they were part of our family. So, you know, regardless whether they're good or bad, they're, they're still part of our family and they need to be recognized and, you know, honored in that way. So that's the way I see it as opposed to like, I want to summon a genie or something, you know? We'll be right back after this short break. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. So you said, um, you, you told me earlier that your father is a Sufi, and can you, like, can you explain at least how you understand yeah. the connection between like that kind of system, like a Sufi, which is, uh, and for folks who aren't familiar, it's kind of like a it's like a mystical, I mean, some people think of Sufis as mystics, but it's not mm-hmm. really, but it's, it is a more spiritual, mystical approach to religion. Um, it so, is. Yeah. So can you explain to me what you, how um, you understand the connection between I, that I, and, and I will, stuff? I will be, to- yeah. Yes. And I'll be totally honest. We were never the most religious family. Mm-hmm. Um, and like my mother was, but you know, she, she's, as typical Pakistani as you could get but for my dad it was always about a spiritual connection with God and and it's a personal connection so it's not about necessarily going to a mosque and it's not necessarily praying five times a day but it was about just having that connection 
Um, and, and I, that's how I feel about things. You know, I say I'm spiritual. I don't know <laughs> what religion is the right religion. And I, you know, I just think that if you have this connection personally, that's great. Um, so we kind of grew up not being as, as Muslim as we could have, you know, like my cousins on my mom's side who grew up in the U S were, were much more religious than we were. Mm. Um, but my dad would drop these weird stories on us. Like, okay, I was four and I watched the exorcist because again, my dad's funny that way. <laughs> and my older brother was like, well, I'm gonna, it's a true story. And so, you know, four-year-old me's mind is blown. You know, I'm like, oh my God, my sister's going to get possessed. I'm going to have to share a room with Pazuzu. <laughs> Holy cow. Totally panicking. And my dad says, it's okay. I know how to do exorcisms. And he was dead serious. <laughs> I was just like, oh, that was a weird thing to say to a four-year-old. And as a four-year-old, so you actually remember it. You remember that. Of, it stuck with you. Yeah. Yes, because I was so scared. I was terrified that my sister would become possessed because we shared a room. And at, I would sleepwalk. And in my sleepwalking, I would be watching her in my sleep, like literally standing by her bed watching her to make sure she wouldn't. It was creepy. We were a creepy family. That is creepy. <laughs> so what about your siblings? Did your siblings have your siblings have unexplained experiences like you? Um, no, they're... Um, they're more hesitant to dive into things. Mm. Um, like my brother keeps telling me, don't, don't mess with us. Don't. And I like, you know, I'm just reading about it. And because I find it interesting, you know, because I, I think being in, in the West, you are, you know, in the U S you're surrounded by the superstitions and, and, and the mysticism that we have here, which is, you know, witches and, and native Americans and druids and whatever, but what's lacking is our stories. And so I, for me, it's really interesting to dive into this and, and, and find these stories because it's like, oh, well, this makes sense to me. And this is a, a part of who I am. And it just, I don't know, it's a weird way to feel more complete, I would say. But my brother and sister don't, although I think my sister has a ghost, but, you know, <laughs> it is. Okay, why, why do you think your sister has a ghost? I, I'm sorry, I got to follow that up. So my, I, I, th- I have two nephews and my niece and my niece is, is three and adorable, adorable kids. And she told my sister that there's a man over there and that she's talking to. And so my sister said, Oh, well, is it a, a good person? And she said, no. Oh God. And so we were like, well, maybe that's just her being a little, a little weird. But then my sister keeps waking up in the middle of the night, hearing somebody call mom. And it's not her kids. And sometimes she's awake when it happens. Because I was like, maybe you're dreaming. Maybe it's sleep paralysis. You know, what are the, maybe it's your neighbors. Maybe it's a cat outside making a weird noise. Mm-mm. We've gone through all of the possibilities. And so she'll just wake up and hear someone saying, mom. Or she'll be, you know, reading a book and somebody yells, mom. And it's not the kids at all. So it's been a little weird. <laughs> yeah, she's that's moving, actually terrifying to me. <laughs> I'm terrified. So I know, know, I know. I, I mean, like, I've been in that house. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I just, I've been in her house and I didn't sense anything off, but you never know. Is she also, does she also live in, in where you are right now out in Arizona? No, she lives in Fort Worth. 
Okay. Do you think that maybe, let me ask you this. He's a bit all Texan. Yeah. What, 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 how do you feel about like, um, the difference between like the, the regions? I mean, are people more likely to encounter like gin or have these kind of experiences in a place like New York or a place like where you are now, which is remote and wild and, and feels a little haunty? Definitely. Yeah. (laughs) A little, um, I think that people would more likely experience it in the Arab and Indian regions, to be honest, because that's the home of, of these stories. Um, do I think I could feel something here? Yeah, listen, Sedona's weird. <laughs> There's like, I don't, and, and personally, I don't know if it's just a marketing gimmick for tourism or if it's real, um, but there's the vortexes here, which are energy vortexes. And so in the red rocks. And so you go there and you're supposed to feel things. Um, and there's just a high confluence of spiritual things here in theory. Um, have, have you, have you experienced like moments and yeah. yeah, not the vortex itself, but sometimes like in our house has, you know, feels good, good vibes, whatever. Like I'm not scared of my house. I'm, I'm more scared of, you know, um, like that movie, The Strangers, when you're out in the middle of nowhere and then there's crazy people outside, that scares me more than like ghosts. But like, I'll be washing dishes and all of a sudden, you know, right next to me, I'll hear someone speaking Spanish and then it's gone. And it's almost like, it's like just passing through. And wow. that might've been when you follow me. Cause I, I, I tweeted about that. And I was like, this is, this just happened and it's really strange, but it wasn't scary at the same time. So, you know, you know what I mean? So it's, it's almost like this whole area is just, kind of funky that way okay it, it, maybe it's uh like a little a portal right like where certain worlds can meet it might be, i mean i i'm not the yeah and there's I, I mean every time i try to google it i get some weird websites talking about ley lines and i don't know any of that stuff I, you know maybe it's i have no idea my i honestly cannot say one way or the other um do i think people hear might be a little sensitive to things. Yeah, sure. You know, maybe they flock here for that reason. Right. Because they're seeking something. You're already predisposed to something, right? Um, yeah. Let me ask you this. What exactly. Would, can you can you share with us maybe one of the, I mean, I, I would think as a four-year-old, it's a little frightening to have your father say, oh, no worries. I'm an exorcist. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but were there yeah. any other stories your father told you or, or drop little hints or bombs or just kind of yeah. like surprised you that really, yes, really I freaked actually, you out? Yeah. Um, there were, well, his, his mother seemed dead people freaked me out, but, um, the men in the family were the exorcists and the women were palm readers. And as you know, you're not supposed to read fortunes, um, in Islam. Right. Religiously. But they yeah. could do it. And huh. so, yes. Um, and so I remember it was, it was my step grandmother. Um, she would read my palm, um, a lot, which always unnerved me, but then I started being able to do it. And I had this knack, uh, and it, I, I, I kind of call it my kids in the hall sketch <laughs> talent in that I can read someone's palm and know their entire past. And I can pinpoint things that happened to them that there's no way I should have known that. But it's, it's like, it's on your hands. Um, so my dad was really excited when I started, you know, learning palmistry and like getting it. I don't, I don't do it often anymore because honestly it's, it's really tiring and I don't really want to know that much about people. Um, 
<laughs> so, so it's actually it actually like dra like is emotionally here. draining for you or physically draining for you yeah oh yeah i get i can do like one and then you know i gotta lie down um but he my dad and i always wondered if this was just him he used to tell us this lullaby about this woman who had ten thousand needles in her eye and that was you know our bedtime stories and to this day i'm like where did it come from like i ordered a book of punjabi folk tales trying to find this story because i and he doesn't quite remember where it's from he's like oh it's just a thing you know we all know these songs and i'm like wait um, no, do you remember do you remember the song off. do you remember it I, all i know is her name was Dilo Popo. Um, which is, you know, Popo means aunt on your father's side. And, and she was like hanged or something. And then there were needles in her eye. And this was supposed to make me go to sleep. Uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I no, I never had a, I never had a chance to be normal. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have to find this lullaby. I've never heard this, but to be fair, my parents were like, go to sleep. You don't get lullabies or but good night books or whatever. Just go to bed. We didn't get any of that. So Yeah, we got those. And then on the flip side, my mother would be like, say the secret kalma, which I said to you. I had a I forgot what it was. And it's it's not a secret. It's just, you know, a verse in the Quran. But my, my mother's family called it the secret kalma. And you have to, you know, clap three times and, and hookmar, which is which is like kind of blowing wind out three right. times. To, to keep the, the bad juju away. So she would make <laughs> us do that often. Uh, especially after my, my dad would tell a story. Oh my gosh. She had to ward off the evil that he was like bringing, bringing in. Um, okay, if you ever, if you ever figure out what that lullaby was, I have to hear it because I just I have will. to hear it. Um, so let me- I need to record him singing it if he remembers. Oh, wow. Yeah. What, what about somebody to, else in the family? Remember, you think but, um, your siblings yeah. might remember how, it, how it, the tune went or anything? No. My, sis, my sister remembers it was just really bizarre. Okay. <laughs> you know? And we were like, why would you, why would you say this to kids? But <laughs> <No. laughs> so we don't remember the, the way it went. So I'm gonna let me ask you this. Did you um have you ever yourself you seem like you're really open to the to the I not open to the idea that you believe you believe in jinn that they there are jinn that are connected yeah. that there are jinn that are connected to your family uh, and that you are open to being like receiving yeah. them in some way or or you're not scared of them. So have you ever actually actively tried to connect with them? No. No, because I would not know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I feel like I, one, I haven't found, um, I find a lot of Western texts, you know, like the white, white writers on how to, how to conjure them. I, that's, that's not what I want. Um, I think for me, I would want somebody from our culture who knows how to do it, but I'm also not the most religious person. And I feel like Jin are so connected to our religion even but even though some books i'm reading that they predate the religion but they become part of the religion so i feel like in order to summon them or conjure or whatever you want to call it i feel like you have to have that religious component a little bit um, is that only so you feel protected so you feel more protected like is that why i 
I think it's also so I don't screw something up, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I just, I just don't think that I have that talent to, to be perfectly honest. Mm. Um, but I do feel like there's more, I don't, my, my philosophy on all the spiritual stuff is that there are things that we can't explain. And maybe one day we'll all have it figured out, you know, and, and science will be like, yes, this is weird dimensional stuff, whatever. Um, but, you know, I've had experiences with ghosts and I've had experiences with, with um, this is going to sound crazy. There was a demon in my old apartment building. And I cannot believe, I, wait, 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 hold on. I, like, I cannot believe you're bringing up, I can't believe you're bringing up the demon in your apartment building this late into the conversation, but let's hear the story. <laughs> well, first of all, I totally, I totally tweeted this story. So I lived, you know, up on Upper East Side, 89th and 1st. The apartment was great. It was like a studio, but the closet was in the middle. So it was kind of separated the bed from rest. And I sleepwalk, granted. But I mean, I sleepwalk a couple times a year now. It's not like a, a weekly thing. I was sleepwalking every single night. Every night I would wake up either opening my closet, trying to find something that shouldn't be there, or standing in the living room, living area, being like something's here and it shouldn't be here. Mm. I did it every single night for like weeks. And I, I made a joke to some friends. I have a closet monster. And my dog started, um, she started pinning her ears back at night and staring at things on the wall that weren't there. Like there was no bug, there was nothing. And I'm just like watching her. And I got so freaked out. I had to put a blanket over her head so she would oh, stop. <laughs> and she would do this every single night. And so... Now, back to the whole fashion world thing, this isn't while I was still in fashion, this, one of the, those healers that I would go to dinner with, with PR people, he called me out of the blue one day at work, uh, you know, I'm at work, my phone rings, my cell phone, and he says, I don't know if you remember me, we went to dinner with this PR person six months ago, my spirit guides are telling me I have to get into your apartment, there's something there. And I dropped my phone. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm done. Like, what? Wow. So he came over. And, um, he was like, I can't even explain what he did. He does like energetic feng shui. And honestly, I don't know what that is. I don't know how it applies beyond regular feng shui. Okay. Um, but he was like, okay, there's something in this apartment, but it's coming from another person and it's coming, um, through your bathroom. And I kind of lost my mind because the night before he came, I had this dream that, if I went into the bathroom and left the lights off and took a picture in the mirror with a flash on my camera, on my phone, I would see whatever I wanted to see what it was behind me. And oh, I didn't God. do that in real life. I didn't wake up and do it. I thought, no. So when he said it's coming in from the bathroom, I was like, oh, okay, maybe he's right. So he does all these weird things. Um, you know, like he was using kinesiology, which is so bizarre. Like he would ask you a question and the way he, your arm would move with him would be yes or no when you were in, you're incapable of lying it's the I, honestly it's the most bizarre thing i've ever experienced <laughs> so after he was done and you know everything felt a little bit lighter in the house in the apartment he said wait there's a message from your from your, your dead mother here and i was like <gasps> all right <laughs> and he he's like it's on your bookshelf now my books i'm i'm not an organized person they're like haphazard they're not color coordinated or anything right they're just piled up and so he would use my arms, like, is it on this shelf? Yes or no? And so I'm like raising my arm, yes or no? And he could tell by the resistance which, where it was. And he found this book, and it's a Camus book, I don't, Albert Camus, that I don't remember reading. I know I did back in college. 
and he finds the page using my arms at this page or is it after this page and whatever. And he finds the line and he looks at me and he says, I'm sorry, but this is what you're supposed to say. And the line said, yes, it would be a pleasure to see my mother again. And I was just like, I don't know how he did that. Oh my gosh. I just, I don't, I can't, I have no logical explanation for that. Because there, there's just no way. There's absolutely, like, there's no way he could say, oh, yeah, I saw that spine and I know there's a line in there. You know, like, right. I guess. But it was so random. Right. And it wasn't even, like, the plague or the strangers. It was a more obscure one that people don't know. So it was really a strange experience for me because <laughs> I, I just, I knew something was around me that wasn't good and that my mom sometimes popped by to say hi. <laughs> you know? Wow. It's like, did, so um, I, I, yeah, I, I've had to become more open. I was going to ask, did, how did you know it was a demon? Only because like you're in your, because you had a sense of dread or because this guy told you? It was, yeah, it, I had a sense of dread. And then when he looked at me, he said the way he's like, the way I'm seeing this is, um, is, uh, I think it was, Archangel, Archangel Michael battling a demon. Mm-hmm. It's like, so that's the vision I'm seeing. That it's because I was like, please be a ghost, please be a ghost. You, it's easy to get rid of ghosts, but you know, I saw my exorcist, I know how hard it is to get rid of the, the big D's. So I was like, please don't say the D word. And then he uh, said it, I was like, okay, okay. But it wasn't, it was attached to somebody else in my building. So, okay. you know, I totally moved. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, nope, nope, we're done. I don't need to stay in this apartment building. There's some weird juju here. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't mm-hmm. want to know, but I'm out. And so I, I moved away and it's much better now. Wow. <laughs> Not less sleepwalking. That, yeah. I got to go back and find that Twitter thread about that. I totally missed that. I don't think I saw that at all, but that is, t- um, that's, oh, that's scary. I'll send it to you. Yeah, yeah, send it to me. Well, it's scary. I sh- it was weird. It's one of those things where you're like, "Am I going crazy?" You know, and right. Then you someone else sees you, it. You know, I I'm and, pretty sure. Yeah. I, don't I don't think I've met anybody in my life who hasn't had some experience that they cannot explain. Something like a like a dream yeah. that was a premonition or a, just something. Like everybody has something, right? So, I think it's I you have to be like an incredibly weird arrogant person to think I know everything there is to know there's nothing there that we don't know like science has discovered everything and human beings can see and hear everything I don't know anybody who actually believes that even the biggest skeptics are like well I mean look you don't know what happens after you die so there's always an unknown right there's always the unknown yeah yeah yeah. And, well, and like I said, maybe in a in hundred years, science will, will figure out it's a, it's a dimensional thing. I don't know. I have no idea, but. Right. Look, know. science tell, has it's, told it's us that there are dimensions. We know there's different dimensions. And just yeah. recently, uh, did you see that uh, the report that came out of like the Pentagon where there were like Navy air, like Navy uh, pilots that yeah. confirmed seeing <laughs> UFOs? Look, there is something out there. And that's why I'm talking that's to you. And that's why thing. we're doing this show. Here's the thing. We are. The universe is vast. We don't know what's out there. Like, yeah. come on, yeah. of course there's going to be. Or, or what's in our closet and under it's, our beds. It's, it's, it's pure arrogance. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, oh. Aisha, thank you so much. I'm going to wrap up here, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I want no, um, I want folks to know how they can find you online if they want to continue to follow your, uh, your, your adventures in Sedona and also your I'm on stories. Twitter. Yeah. 
What's your handle? I'm on Twitter, uh, Dramana, D-R-R, Dramana, that's three R's, D-R-R-R-A-M-I-N-A, because I'm a little dramatic. (laughs) Um, And I will always, I'm always happy to talk about this weird stuff, you know, because, uh, you know, I'm not going to judge somebody else for believing in it. And that's one of the things that I, I, I wanted to include in this, the my second book is I, if you love crystals, that's amazing. I personally don't, they're pretty. I don't feel anything with them, but I'm not going to, did I lose you? Oh, sorry. No, I'm not going to make fun of anybody for having a belief like that, you know? Um, so to me, like I, I love tarot cards because they are weirdly, the, my tar- I have a tarot deck that I use and they're, um, and even my friends and my sister are like this, these are ridiculously apt and kind of really almost have a sense of humor about situations. Mm. And so the more I've used them, the more I'm like, oh, this is getting weird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so like the whole COVID, like I predicted somebody having COVID in our family and I didn't, you know, realize what it was until after. And my sister mentioned it to me and I was like, Oh my God, wow. that, you're right. I thought it was going to be somebody else that, you know, I, that it ended up being this one person in our family. So there's, there's things that have come true that I'm like, no, oh, that's weird. You know, what are you going to do? I think I'm going to, that, uh, that you, the, the, the veil for some people is thinner and the veil for you is thinner between, between yeah. what we can see and what we can't see. And I have a feeling, and I'm going to be actually really interested yeah. to see, continue to talk to me about this, um, offline and, uh, about like as you continue to research gin stuff because you know I'm neck deep man mm-hmm. I'm I'm neck deep in that stuff every rabbit hole you can believe yeah. so I think it's I gonna wanna, be a, a fun I, journey for you I love the gin stuff yeah and I right. think as long as we approach it without fear and just more of like I want to learn I think that's the the right approach Thanks for joining us this week. You can find out more about Amina's work, her amazing book, Fashion Victim, and everything else she's working on by going to her website. It's Amina Akhtar, that's spelled A-M-I-N-A-A-K-H-T-A-R dot work. And like she said, you can follow her on Twitter. Her handle is at D3Rs, D-R-R-R, and then her first name, Amina. D-R-R-R, Amina. Dramina. Love it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Now, there are as many people in the world with gin stories as there are gin. So if you have one you'd like to share, make sure to email it to me at thehiddengin at gmail.com. That's thehiddengin, T-H-E-H-I-D-D-E-N-D-J-I-N-N at gmail.com. And until next time, remember, we are not alone. The Hidden Gin is a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild from Aaron Mankey. The podcast is written and hosted by Rabia Chaudhry and produced by Miranda Hawkins and Trevor Young, with executive producers Aaron Mankey, Alex Williams, and Matt Frederick. Our theme song was created by Patrick Cortez. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.